We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today's conversation is a bit of a continuation of yesterday's. Had a really fun pod where we ended really getting into the importance of Anthony Davis's jump shot. And right now, more and more, we're in roster construction mode. And so what we're trying to do is have these conversations where Things start to emerge as we have the conversation. Maybe conclusions get more crystallized as a result. Mike, you and I uh, on a pod the other day were like, you know, a stretch five that was kind of big and can bang with guys. That'd be a really nice type of player to put next to AD. And I think we arrived at that through the conversation that we had. So I want to continue that idea of AD's jumper and where I think we concluded. Please correct me if I misrepresent your guys position here. I think we concluded that LeBron's jumper, I think you can take to the bank to a certain extent. He's just like any shooter. There's going to be variance there. But LeBron is I think you can bake that into the equation that LeBron is going to provide a certain degree of jump shooting, whereas with Anthony Davis, it's more of a luxury. That's where when his jumper is working, the Lakers can be pretty unstoppable in in a quality build. But you shouldn't have starting lineups in particular where Anthony Davis has to be a really high-end jump shooter for the overall functionality of it to work. And so, D, one of the other types of players that have emerged in our conversations has been a skill guard. And we just got done watching Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie play particularly well. And one of the attributes you brought up recently, I was thinking about that while I was watching it, and the idea of being able to shoot pull-up jumpers. So much of a what? Mike's just laughing because you brought up Dinwiddie and Brunson, but the undertone of that is Utah's collapse, and, and oh. so you should keep this. <laughs> so you should keep this in the pod because Mike's over here making faces, and he can't help but have this shit-eating grin about Yo, the jazz absolutely <laughs> unmute your mic Un- unmute your mic trudell you're cracking up what right are, now what are you guys bringing me into this for i'm just listening to pete's opening monologue over here okay 
So, yes, we need to acknowledge we are recording this right after the Utah Jazz lose. So, yes, Mike is going to have a certain, you we'll know, get hop to the in jazz. his step. Yeah. We'll get to the jazz at some point. Maybe this pod may be a different pod. Maybe five pods from now. It'll come up. Trust me. But get back to your point about Dinwiddie and Brunson, because we have been talking about a skill guard. And I, I feel like I've been hammering this point a fair amount because it's something that I believe in. Because I just think that the way that the Lakers built this past roster and to a certain extent, the way that they built the 2020-21 roster, um, one of the key components was a guard who wasn't necessarily a very good shooter, right? Now, I think Dennis Schroeder is a better shooter than Russell Westbrook is. Um, But Schroeder had his own complications as... Uh, as a shooting threat right his like we talked a lot at last season about the slow load of of his jumper and his and his general height and size being a detriment when you combine that with his inability to get his shot off quickly right and so it made even though he was a better pull-up threat you could still go under screens on him, and that was what you wanted to do anyway because he was so quick and he was so good at getting to to the basket. Going under was the idea, but you go with Russ the following season, and he's an even more extreme version of that. And you put yourself into a corner then when you say, hey, okay, well... What do we need around this guy? Well, we basically need shooting at almost every other position. Now, when you sign Dennis Schroeder, you also sign Marc Gasol. And you're like, okay, check. There's that stretch center that y'all were talking about, right? But halfway through the season, Mark's not necessarily playing that great. And they go to Andre Drummond. And then you were you were then again super reliant on Anthony Davis's jumper being a real thing at that point. Fast forward to this season, and you're like, yeah, we got Russell Westbrook. We still got LeBron James. We're going to play AD a lot at center, and that's basically saying, okay, well, we still need AD to shoot, but maybe not as much if the other guys can actually shoot, right? And that was the idea, potentially, of the two other starters. Remember preseason, Mike? Preseason, the idea was the two other starters are going to be Trevor Ariza and Wayne Ellington. It's just like, okay, those are viable stretch options, right? Those guys can space the floor. And if the only two other guys on the court are LeBron, Russ, and and then obviously AD is like, okay, well, we've got enough shooting there. But it didn't go to plan like that. Like Wayne was quickly out of the lineup. Ariza never really got on track and he was hurt to start the year. And so suddenly you're playing all of these big lineups and guys who can't shoot. And then at that point, the lack of a skill guard and a pull-up shooter, Man. that matters so much more yes. because of that decision-making that Pete hammered during the season about like, hey, man, like the Lakers are making defense too easy in the half court for opposing teams because at least two guys aren't shooting well. And a third guy is Anthony Davis, and he's not reliable. 
this season as a jump shooter. And so now that packed paint is even more packed. And I'm talking about a skill guard because he can open things up in ways where you are less reliant on Anthony Davis's jumper to be a main weapon within the context of the Lakers offense. One of the things that I learned right when I got to L.A. in as a contrast to Minnesota, who I watched have an unfortunate collapse in their opening game or their the first game of the night tonight as we record against Memphis was how many Laker fans really know basketball and really know their team. And so especially with this audience of our podcast, and this is judging from all kinds of things, including people coming up to me at games and just Twitter replies like they really watch. They really know the game. So a lot of times when I try to make examples of these other teams is because I think that it we know what the Lakers personnel was this year. We don't need to relay that to what the fans that are listening to this are. But take the example of Utah tonight. And I don't think anybody entered this season with Utah thinking, you know what? You know what this team could use more is more shooting. It's like, all right, well, they got Conley and Mitchell in the backcourt. They got Bogdanovich on the wing. Sure, Royce O'Neal isn't great, but like he'll knock down a three here and there. And then they come in off the bench with a guy like Clarkson. So like there's there's in theory a lot of shooting. But I were the reason that I don't never really bought that is because that shooting, it's just not enough because three of those shooters I just mentioned, Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, are giving you very, very little on defense. And it's just not like the shooting element there and then relaying it back to, to what the Lakers are. It's part of why I keep having the same similar point of where the, the, the specific criticism of the Lakers in 1920 up to the point where they actually won was like, I don't know if this team has enough shooting, like, can they get more shooting out there? And I'm like, no, they're they're the, the, the main duos throughout league history that have won it like have, it's not, I just felt like the when the Warriors came along and the three-point, every team started to shoot more threes, it ignored what playoff basketball still ends up being, aside from that Warriors team, which, again, is an all-time thing. So I, I still have not been persuaded to come off of that opinion based on what I'm watching in this current modern-day playoffs, including what's just happened tonight in watching this. And I know that's not a direct answer to what you guys were just talking about, but that's the that's where I feel like I'm kind of – uh, maybe I need to reconsider my maybe I'm being stubborn about no, the way that no, I'm no. seeing the, the, the playoffs. I, I don't think that you are. I think that shooting is a variable that's important, I think, specifically to the Lakers, because we have the foundation of the other stuff that matters more more like if. If I understand your point correctly, your pushback is a lot against the idea that like we talk about shooting a lot relative yeah. to other things that matter. And kind of my argument is like we've got arguably arguably the best defensive player in the world when he's at his best. We've got arguably the best shot creator in the world when he's at his best. And both guys are on a very short list on both of those. Those two things I value more than the ability to shoot. You have to be able to create the shot in the first place. You have to be able to erase advantage from other teams that have elite shot makers in the first place. And then at the end of that, ideally, you have somebody who can actually knock down the shot. But my – and and so my – I think shooting is a topic that's more important with us than like Utah. Like they don't need another shooter. They need athletes. They need guys that can defend guys that can, you know, uh, that have size and that have that those playoff attributes that I think you and I see pretty eye to eye on. But it 
this issue, I think, is more Lakers specific than a team wide thing. So let's take a break. And when we come back, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. To bring one other team into it, Minnesota's got almost ideal shooting with Vanderbilt being the the four that doesn't shoot and that just does all the role player stuff. But around the rest of the floor, including their center, who proclaims himself to be the greatest shooting big man of all time, Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns took four shots tonight, guys. He attempted four yeah. field goals in game three, the first home game. Part of that's on him. Part of that's on his coach. Part of that is on D'Angelo Russell. Part of that is on Anthony Edwards. Like they're... The way that they played ignored what works in playoff basketball and and just sort of broke down to these to these sort of raw elements of I'm like Pat Beverly tried to take over the game, you know, in the, by being aggressive. It's just all some of these concepts to me are are so like shooting is the if you just go to the park and you're a kid, what's the thing that you're going to do? What's the first thing you're doing when you get on the court? You're going to shoot is it. Is it true? Are you going to go out there doing defensive slides? <laughs> Maybe if Coach Pete's out there, and especially if you hear him talking to his dogs, you know, and you, and you hear that voice, Darius, come up, then Baseline. maybe – Maybe I better get into a slide if I don't want the tone to switch over quick. But, like, that's my – again, this is where I feel like I'm – we all go to the park and we take a shot. And yes. if And some guys are much better at it than others. But – the 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 variance 
between a great shooter, a good shooter, and a bad shooter. Like most guys on good playoff teams that are getting some level of minutes can at least knock down a couple shots if they're if they're left open in a playoff setting. And like Dallas's threes, one of the reasons they won tonight. Maxi Kleber, is he a great shooter? He went four for five from three tonight. Green went three for five from three. Bertans, now I get it. He's that's sort of the one thing that he does, but he actually has not been a good shooter by percentage for the last couple of years, he banged four threes tonight against Utah. So I'm just, there's always guys on playoff teams that will come in and hit threes. This is where I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I also agree with Pete because of the context of the Lakers roster and who their stars are. What I will say though is, is that you're not wrong, Mike, like, to win in the playoffs, you better have good defensive players. And I don't want to make this a binary. I don't want to make it sound like we're arguing for shooting at the expense of other things because guess what? Rob Palinka just did that shit. And you know how well it worked? It didn't work at all. He said, yeah, we got shooters. Look at these guys. I got Carmelo Anthony. I got Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington damn near led the league in three-point shooting last season. We got that dude. He's here on a minimum. Carmelo Anthony is here on, on a minimum. Like, oh, Malik Monk, he shot 40% too. We got him on the minimum. You know how well those dudes were going to hold up in playoff basketball when they're getting targeted yeah, every possession defensively? So I, so I don't want to make this a binary. I don't want to argue as if shooting is the only thing that, that the Lakers need. And if I had to argue what I wanted most of this season, it was another forward who could take up defensive yeah, load which, which and could play early, between early LeBron season. James and yeah. Anthony Davis. So I don't want to sit here and argue against myself either. I thought that the build that the Lakers clearly need and, the, and what they need to get back to is some sort of version that approximates how they built the 2019, 2020 team. But I think they need to skew even more towards athletes than what they did on that version of the roster. Because on that version of the roster, it was Danny Green and Markeith Morris and, to a certain extent, Dwight Howard approaching the end of what he was able to contribute in terms of like being on the court against some of the teams that tried to really spread you out. The league is moving in another direction where you do need mobility. You do need athleticism and mobility and athleticism should translate to defense. But if those guys don't have to be defended past 10 feet on the other side of the court, then you are creating a whole batch of other problems for yourself as well, particularly in the half court. And even more so when your two stars are LeBron James and Anthony Davis and teams treat them a certain way already. And so there's, there's a medium ground here. There, there's an area where in the middle of that Venn diagram, the Lakers need to operate in that middle because if they try to operate too much on the extremes of either of those ideas, they're going to struggle more than teams that have different builds with their stars and their particular set of skills. That middle ground is a, is a nice way to think about it. And I could just to try to, to pull a couple of players as an example from this, right? So if you take Wayne Ellington, who in 
knock just in general, you watch him shoot threes and warmups, right? Knock down three point shooter. He shot 40 plus percent in Detroit the previous year. So you thought, well, hold on. He was shooting that in Detroit. Probably wasn't getting a ton of open shots because of who was there. We'll put him next to LeBron. All of a sudden, those threes are going to be open, right? But there are two things going on here that I want to throw to Pete. One, when you're playing next to LeBron and AD, part of your job, if you're on the floor and what your coaching staff is telling you is you need to defend. Okay. Wayne Ellington probably didn't play a ton of defense in Detroit the previous year. Well, if you're there with the Lakers, like you're running, you're, you're, you're putting, you're, you're trying to put, you're trying to do the role player things because you want to be the key cog. And then you get on the other side of the court and maybe your legs aren't quite there the same way. So that's one element. And that's part of why I argued the 1920 season when people were like, why are these dudes like KCP and Danny Green missing open threes? Because they're working their asses off on defense. Yep. And yep. they're sprinting up and down the court on in transition. And if you play pickup basketball, you know that it's hard to do both of those things. So that's, right. that's one. Then the second thing is, Pete, if you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis on your team, that means that you are going to get some open threes. And so the percent, if you the percentage then that you're going to shoot, if you are just Joe Schmo who picked up the ball, can, picks up the ball at the park and kind of gets a three up, like that percentage to me is going to be sort of good enough. As opposed to the guy like Buddy Heald, right, or a knockdown like a Kyle Korver, a JJ Redick, a knockdown right. three point shooter who is, but who is then being exposed on the other end of the court and is being run around by teams and targeted by teams. And one of the more recent examples is Austin Reeves. And why did his jump shot disappear? Why did his threes disappear yep. in March in February? Because dude was working so hard every minute that he was out there, and then you're also wanting to hit the three when he doesn't have his legs back. So I, that's that's two different sort of things that I threw at you, Pete, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. No, I think another element that stacks on top of that is a point that you always make is that Wayne Ellington and the Detroit Pistons were probably not seeing the same median effort level from their opponents that LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers saw on a night-to-night basis. And what that means is Everything, and we see this with the playoffs as well, everything just happens a little bit faster. And you got to get into your shot a little more crisply with your footwork and just do everything, just more attention to detail because everybody's paying more attention to detail. And certain guys get sped up. I always think of like some players will fall off after the second round of the playoffs normally because usually by those conference finals, you're in to some serious basketball teams. And like a guy just – he. He hits the ceiling of his talent and his ability and and weaknesses that don't matter quite as much become more illuminated at that higher level of basketball. And so I think that's part of the equation as well, Mike. And so that that middle ground, though, that place in between where you've got the pull up jump shooter who can play some defense and possibly create a little bit, I think that's the sweet spot. So let's take another break. When we come back, let's talk about that guy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So guys, we, as you know, we cannot get, or, or at least Mike and I cannot get too into specific names, but just like everyone else speculating on the future of Russell Westbrook and perhaps the, the trade market that may be available for him. And uh, one of the things that has started to come to light in the rumors is are there are going to be other teams that have guys that are maybe signed to contracts that are a little more than they'd like to be paid that maybe they want to clear some cap space. Anyway, it's. Russell, tra- Russell Westbrook's been traded three times on his current contract. Tracked, I have a hard time believing that it's going to be impossible the year that it's, it's expiring. And so there's one player in particular in all of these rumors, and that's, I'll just leave it at that, that is a pull-up jump shooter that plays defense and that can handle the ball a bit and kind of be this middle ground type of guy that I he's my favorite target. That is as specific as I will be. But Darius, I think that there are options out there Fingers crossed if we're looking for them. There are options, and this is a player archetype that is around the league a fair amount. So look, I'll bring one up. He played for the Lakers this season. Malik Monk is a pull-up shooter off of the dribble, and he's a guy who can score off of the dribble off of a drive. Malik Monk got a different type of coverage in pick and rolls than basically almost any other guard that was on the Lakers roster. You know why? Because he could, if you go under on him on a high pick and roll, he can step back and he can bomb the three. And on any given night, he can hit six of them things, Mike. He can go, he could go six for eight on threes and you're like barely batting an eye, right? Because he has that sort of skill. And so then what do teams do? They start to ice screens against him and they start to send him in, in a certain direction. And what you saw at the end of the season was rather than letting Malik go to his left and get over the top middle in order to shoot threes, right? He was, they were icing him and forcing him right instead. And how many lob assists did Malik Monk have yeah. To Dwight Howard, we were lamenting Dwight looking like he was played Tibbs. in cement shoes for <laughs> yes. a lot of the season. But you get him downhill when there's no one obstructing his lane and you just let him sort of run in a straight line like he's in the damn dunk contest and jump without having to hold a ball and just go up and catch it like he's going to get a rebound, but instead just dunk it. Like And so Monk, that sort of player, has real value. And if you want, go watch some tape on Malik Monk in the last, I don't know, six weeks of the season, and you'll see the sort of value that a pull-up jump shooter who can shoot with range can have if that guy can be a little bit of a shot creator. Quick interjection. My favorite Malik Monk play is the ball on the right side like when he starts at the nail or something the rest of the floor and crossover into the middle and they think he's going to go up for the right-handed pull-up and he just transfers to left and scoops and it's just it's just a beautiful like yes it's just 
basketball poetry. And I don't know a single other player that does that move that same way. And it's just it's just one of my favorite moves. Darius was talking about the rhythm that DeMar DeRozan plays with. Malik Monk has an improvisational shot making ability that really like I don't think there's 10 guys in the league that have that particular attribute. It's not the only thing that matters by any any means, but he can be in any footwork, any position, have the ball at any place and, and be able to create a credible shot out of it. That was just, he was a beautiful shot maker to watch throughout the season. Mike's talked a lot about how he's just a bucket getter. And when you're monk size, but has his athleticism, you've, been finding ways to get buckets basically your entire life as a basketball player and and so it does not surprise me at all that he's got just a bunch of tricks in his bag around the basket or lefty shot here lefty scoop like oh little reverse layup here oh double clutch let me take the contact and then go over the top of you to to try to finish and then all the little leaners and jumpers because he is 6'1", 6'2", right? But he does jump out of the gym. And so a big guy challenges, ah, oh, just let me lean a little bit more this way and I'll get the shot shot off. And so Monk was a joy in a lot of ways to watch offensively, where he wasn't as much of a joy, was watching him compete defensively. He got better as the year went on, but that was the hole in his game, right? And so the type of player that I think lives in that middle ground he doesn't need to be as creative or as flashy as Malik Monk was but that same utility that Monk brought as an off the dribble scorer right who could use a pick and if you go under step back and shoot the long long jumper if you go over the top he could make the pocket pass or make the lob or drive to the basket and get a layup or shoot the floater and play in the mid range a little bit. But on the other end, have enough size and strength and focus and intent defensively to battle on that end. That dude, Mike is the perfect sort of role player that you want to flank LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Well, and here's the, here's the rub. So, Think about KCP or Danny Green and think about what those guys are paid in the NBA. And then think about Malik Monk. So if but if you just ask somebody that has no idea what contracts are and they just just show up to the game, watch this game, who's better? They can be like, oh, do you see you see what Malik Monk just did? Like if, right. if or if they're playing at Rucker Park, it's like, oh, obviously it's the dude that's just this wow, did you see he's got a 41-inch vertical? You know, he can go off for six straight threes. He might come up from the weak side and like smash a shot, but what you might not be seeing are the decision making in the half court, the decision making in transition, the, uh, the not knowing when to get the ball in the proper place, showing the ball too early on a drive, uh, the defensive breakdowns, you know, just the sort of where as opposed to KCP or Danny Green, who can then guard multiple positions, who are going to reliably run the floor, who are going to help uh, on and, and a bit. And so I think that they're Malik's going to get more, obviously, than a minimum for next year, but he's not going to get, well, I shouldn't say he's not going to get, I hope that he does get just for him personally. We'll see where it is, but that to me still around LeBron and AD, it's why I was kind of always advocating 
for this that the type of player that is that three and D role player who might be less flashy, but you can sort of reliably have out there more as opposed to the guy with a shot creating ball handling upside um, of a Malik Monk. And I know it's it's not exact there, but I do think that there's a difference between those types of players. I do, too. I suspect, though, that my opinion of the type of guy that we need is somebody kind of right in the middle of the two is somebody that can hit a pull up jump shot or create, say, if they're switched on, they've got a big switched on to them and they can break them down off of the dribble. Not necessarily the guy that you give the ball to and say, go up against their best defender. You know, not that guy. But if you have a mismatch, you can attack it and you can beat it. But more importantly, can be stout defensively. Really, from watching these playoffs, I'm very much on this bigger guard kick right now. I see so many circumstances where those smaller guards like Donovan Mitchell was getting attacked just over and over in in this game defensively. And all of these different circumstances where I'm seeing small guards like the ones that are succeeding are the ones that are kind of fire hydrants, right? Your Kyle Lowry's, your Jalen Brunson's. Josh Hart. Josh Hart, not, right? not in the place right now, <laughs> but like not that, in the playoffs, that but, type, right? Or even right, or even like, yeah. but even the shorter guys, Mike, like a Chris Paul. Like, if you're going to be a small guard, and you need to be able to at least be able to win the ground game and le- yeah. like yeah. use a lower Gary, Gary center Payton, of gravity, right? yeah, Payton, that, yeah, yeah, that lower center of gravity to kind of root guys out because you're not going to win battles in the air. That's for the big guys and the the athletes and the wings and all that. Yeah. And so control like, your the, space. Yeah, And so that's one thing, like, D, you brought up Malik getting better on defense as the year went on. I agree with that, but he's still going to be 6'1 and skinny, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yes. like, so there's just something fundamentally about that where I, but that said, I don't, I don't think that you can go all the way back to the Danny Green KCP build either. No, I think that the idea of what the Lakers need to me is pretty clear, like, LeBron's going to need someone who's going to take the ball and at least be someone who can like create a shot from the perimeter and it not be him. Now, in the year the Lakers won the championship, it's easy to forget, but AD had a usage that was like at 30 or 31 and LeBron's was like at 32. We lamented, I go to that word again, but it's just like we complained. We actively complained about Rajon Rondo playing as many minutes as he did, uh, particularly in lineups that had already had LeBron James. And we were like, why is he on the court with LeBron? He shouldn't be on the court with LeBron at all. Like, didn't they learn anything from the previous season? They should be playing Alex Caruso there. Look at the on-off numbers. Mike is basically doing everything he can. He's probably, like, giving Frank printouts from, like, I printed this from the stats site of NBA. He was very politic. He was very politic, but he he had an agenda to push. Uh, we we respected well, look, it. Look, it's like it's like if you're if you're at a restaurant and you're somebody that orders in a particular way, okay? So the cheeseburger or the burger comes with seven things on it and you don't like five of those things. You know, you might annoy the waiter, but you just got to ask nicely. <laughs> yes. Look, I'm so sorry to. I'm so sorry about this. Like, I know it's a pain in the ass. Uh, please apologize to the chef. Um, I really don't do the cheese. Would you mind holding the onions? You know, the special sauce. Apologies. So, really, just the burger, the lettuce, and the ketchup. Again, really sorry. 
but like that's how I want it. Okay, is that is that cool? Yeah, and then the waiter's kind of like, all right, this is a little bit annoying, but you were nice about it, so okay, fine, I'll I'll do that. So Vogel's the waiter in this situation. Yeah. All right. No, it's a, you know you can ask. That's my point. You can ask a leading question, right? About so uh you know plus minus with Caruso and LeBron been really impressive, and you know and for, for whatever reason it hasn't quite shown up with Rondo and LeBron. Frank, is there anything that you've seen on Let's film? See. Isn't he you good? Know, Isn't that. he good? Look, this is why he is That's the sideline reporter. Trudell, That's man. right. That's right. Shit. That's right. <laughs> Look, all I'm looking out for are Laker fans. Okay, it's it, if they're happy, I'm happy. One hundred percent. And so, I don't think LeBron's wanted this basically, or and to a certain extent, he's needed it. And as he goes into his twentieth NBA season, those needs are not going to diminish. They're only going to grow. Now, Mike, and I think thoughtfully and and in a spirited way as well, has made the point like, yeah, LeBron does want that. And he may even think he needs it. But in the last five minutes of a close game, who do you think is going to want the ball and who do you think is going to have it? And Mike's not wrong with that. The answer to that is going to be LeBron James. And that's why the player type that we're talking about, like, look, I'd love for the Lakers to get like a third star as a guard. Like, I know you guys aren't going to say names, but like, look, if the Lakers got Donovan Mitchell, I'd celebrate. If they got Zach Levine, I'd celebrate. If they got, if they got DeMar DeRozan, I'd celebrate, right? These guys are all sort of usage guards who have the skill set that I'm talking about. But if it's a lower quality guy than that, who is also effective off of the ball and isn't going to need as much usage and is going to be fine camping weak side or 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 playing up high as LeBron works from from the shoulder area above the break. And he is that dude is one pass away and can be a second side creator while still having all of that skill set that we talked about in terms of shot creation, some some pick and roll ability and being a defensive player. That's the guy that the Lakers should be targeting because that guy is more attainable than those star level guards that I was talking about before. And one of the reasons why those other guys don't defend as much is because their asks on offense are so high. But that's a whole nother story and a whole nother pod. And if the Lakers were lucky enough to get one of those guys, we'd have those same conversations that we had about Russell Westbrook to a certain extent. Like, hey, how are you going to modify your game now that you're playing with these two other high usage dudes, right? And so that's another pod for another day again. But Pete, now that we have this sort of clear picture about what the Lakers' needs are, like... How easy or hard do you think it's going to be to get your hands on one of those those guys? And do you think the front office sees it the same way that we see it? Because we're these dudes sitting on this pod talking, but that doesn't mean that they're going to value the same things that we value. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole not- that that's exactly that's exactly it. And you know, there's a bit of an information gap there there too in terms of who is available, what is available. I just think that. In a, in a league where this past trade deadline, we saw several moves 
have a financial component to them where getting financial relief was one of the main benefits that the team that one of the teams made that trade. I think that there's more of a market than has been has been said, but that's just my guess. That's me putting two and two together. I don't know the conversations that they're having, but I do think that I mean, it's obvious that Russ and and Russ's contracts specifically will be the biggest piece that needs to move in terms of like that'll be the that'll be what yields the biggest return out of any of the assets that we have, right? Whereas like the other would be the MLE or the vet minimum contracts, right? We're going to get more back from a, that type of trade if we make it than anything else. And so the type of guy that comes back from that, I actually, before fully answering your question, D, and because it's, and like we said, it's a, a whole nother podcast. I think there's another door. There's a door number two where that third player, quote unquote, who's maybe not the third star, but is the third best player on the team, is actually that forward that you've been coveting or even a big man. That's that player in the front court that slots between LeBron and AD and that two-way wing that Mike covets, right? there. I would like to explore that route a little bit early next week here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.